Hello everyone and welcome. It's episode 14 now of The Media Beat with Maureen and Claire. I'm your host, Oliver Turnbull, and it's as always my pleasure to introduce you to Maureen Kerr. She is the senior partner in media at Arthur D. Little, and that means she works with a variety of clients, particularly in the investment world, but also in media companies, advising them on strategy and operation. Hello, Maureen. Hello, Oliver. Lovely to see you. And Claire Tavernier um, has been working with Maureen for years and years and years, to the point where they have struck up an incredible professional relationship and a friendship. And Claire has done virtually everything in the world of media, you might imagine. She's been a consultant. She's had um, high-profile roles in a variety of media companies. She's an all-round brilliant commentator on all things media. And it's great to welcome you again, Claire. Thank you, Oliver. It's nice to see you. Brilliant. And yes, it's all on video so we can see each other and I can see their smiling faces. We have, I say this every time, but it's true this time, a packed agenda today. Three uh, chunky things that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about fast versus AVOD and indeed explaining what fast is. Uh, The things that are happening at Disney, uh, which are, it's like a soap opera there, but we'll dive into that in a little bit more detail and Warner Music Group are saying interesting things about the future of music and record labels which I find fascinating as usual we've got rumors and we have a new feature uh, this week Uh, and if it works we're going to keep it and it's called lightning fast pod mojis and just from the name you can probably work out what it is but I'll explain anyway Uh, actually I won't I'm going to do what we say in the business, tease you with that, uh, and I'll explain the rules when we get to it. So stay tuned. I don't know why people still say stay tuned when it's podcast, but anyway, stay tuned for the lightning fast podmojis round, which will be fun and also um, interesting. So we'll start off. Uh, Maureen, um, you've explained this to me in the past, but maybe some of the people listening to this uh, won't understand. Um, so if you could first explain the... Um, the acronym FAST uh, and what that stands for and how it relates to AVOD, which we have talked about many times before. Indeed, I will try, uh, <laughs> Oliver. Um, but uh, as, you, as you said earlier, uh, the battle between FAST and AVOD is probably a battle to differentiate. I think that's the, uh, the, the, the phrase of the day. Um, so yeah, FAST, so what does it mean? So it's free ad-supported streaming telly. Or TV, um, and the reason that we're talking about this uh, today is because uh, the industry, the entire media industry, are talking about it. Um, and I was at Content London this week, um, the conference uh, that's held at the King's Place, uh, which is the Guardian Building, and every single session happened to be discussing fast. Um, but that said, even though people were talking about fast, I'm none the wiser. I'm actually none the wiser in terms of what is it, how is it differentiated, and what does it mean for the industry going forward, especially in the context of how is it distinct from uh, AVOD so, or, or linear TV. Um, so, but one, one, one chap that I, I did uh, stumble across as uh, somebody who left ITVX and has moved across to Samsung TV, he was very articulate in explaining to me that, look, Maureen, uh, Think about it in these terms. It is a scheduling or a scheduled AVOD. 
I think I'm, I think I'm a little bit wiser, you know, for that and for the explanation. Um, but uh, effectively, uh, let's rewind. So uh, FAST has actually been around for some time and around 2014, 15, uh, FAST was very much about um, and probably uh, supported by Pluto, Pluto TV, Pluto um, was very much around sort of short form, short form clips, local news was all about short form and Quibi. Uh, came out of the short form um, episodic uh, environment. And and if we fast forward eight years, uh, it's now long form curated content, um, which is basically 24-7 on a number of platforms, streaming platforms, where audiences sit back or lean back, as we all know in the trade, uh, lean back, do nothing, and you can't do anything. So effectively, you're looking at what was TV in a linear environment, on streaming, uh, where you can't fast forward, you can't rewind, you just simply sit there and watch. Um, so there's a whole host of companies uh, that have come out of uh, this this particular environment, very much a US-driven um, phenomenon, um, uh, very much probably due to cord cutting. So people that are no longer paying for cable want you know free TV. So it's advertising um, funded, free TV. Um, so you've got the likes of Pluto, Tubi, um, uh, and a number of others that are uh, setting up shop. Um, and some of these companies have actually been acquired by the big media companies. We spoke, um, I think it was uh, two sessions, uh, two, two episodes ago about Paramount paying about $340 million for Pluto and Fox paying about $100 million or so for Tubi. Um, so Amazon has also sort of moved across into what they call now, they've renamed IMDb TV Freevee. So all this is about taking programming and catalogue, um, leveraging that sort of what they used to pay, you know, paid for content that they spent a significant amount of, amounts of money on, but sitting on the shelves. Now they're bringing that forward um, and sharing it with audiences, um, as I say, for free and trying to find advertising money to uh, for ad insertions to go into that programming. Um, I'll pause there because there's so much to say about Fast. There's so much to say about Avod. And I'm sure uh, my esteemed colleague, uh, Claire, will have uh, plenty to say and rip it to pieces as well, I'm, I'm hoping. Um, but suffice to say, it is a big, big industry now and people are putting dollar numbers to it to the tune of six billion of ad spend across these significant players. I Yes. So it's very interesting, Fast. It's basically the... It's a for me. It's a supplier-led proposition, as in nobody's asking for it, but the people with big libraries of content are pushing it to customers because they don't know. They're trying to find new ways of monetizing this library of old content. So what's become clearer and clearer, you know, in the world of of SVOD, of subscriber-led uh, VOD like Netflix and Disney Plus, is that. Old content, while it's it, you know it, it was very important when the platforms were being created, no longer drives new subscribers. And so, uh, for a few years, people with big libraries of content—I mean, think uh, all of the episodes of Seinfeld, of Friends—you know—did very big deals with Netflix and made a lot of money. Those deals, apart from a few big brands, aren't being renewed. That leaves them with a big library of content. A few years ago, they would have gone 
gung-ho for their own subscriber video platform. That's no longer happening. People are realizing that it's very difficult to launch subscriber, you know, niche subscriber platforms. So fast is the new way they found to, to, to monetize their content. Why not? If you've ever been in a hotel room in the US, you know that you can surf through cable channels and find the one channel that just plays the Fresh Prince of Bel Air on repeat with a lot of ad breaks and that's that's what fast is it's that sort of tiny little niche content play that is yes it's easier to do advertiser funded because you're not relying on on the monetization through subscribers but nobody's asking for it and i suspect for now it's going to be talked about a lot of conferences because it's very exciting for business execs in the media world to find new ways of monetizing old content but it's not necessarily going to be talked about a lot in living rooms. There are two exceptions to this where I think fast channels, and I mean, fast channels is a really weird way of saying it. It's basically TV, except it's delivered through the internet instead of being broadcast. That's the only difference, right? But, uh, fa and it's, and it's therefore it's cheaper. You don't need to get, a uh, uh, an EPG code, etc. Anybody can launch their channel. That's, that's the, the entry point. The entry point is it's lower cost, but apart from that, it's a, it's a TV channel. Fast channels, I believe, have a role in news and sports. And I can see because those are the two places where actually uh, live scheduled television makes sense. And therefore, I can see that there is a logic for news providers and sports providers to develop a fast a fast approach because then you know they can provide their services without having to go through a cable company or or any of this and the, most of the infrastructure now makes it possible but remember i've said this often the broadband infrastructure in the us is still limited to big cities and when you go out into the more rural america they don't have the bandwidth to deal with fast channels on a large scale so i don't know how that's going to be resolved in the longer term so i'm relatively skeptical about fast channels i do see an opportunity in news and sports and for the rest i think it's just going to be a a long tail play which will bring a little bit of money but that's it and i'll add to that because uh, there was uh, i'm quite skeptical about about two things one is rights and mm -hmm. two uh, about costs as well so uh, so so it's great for those that do have back catalog uh, but don't forget this is still a us phenomenon so uh, if you want to then bring all that stuff across, don't forget this is streaming. Uh, what about the content delivery network costs? So the CDN costs, that's going to be phenomenal. And also, if you are going to try to make money on this, you clearly do need to figure out the ad insertion policy or approach and the like. So I think there's, a, there's an issue there. Rights as well. So this week, you know, I heard all three media talking uh, emphatically about Midsummer Murders, and that's for them has supported their entry into Fast. But guess what? ITVX is launching. ITVX is going to want that in the UK to support its own launch, you know, activities. So what's going to happen? So you'll have Midsummer Murders probably as a channel, but it's going to be John Nettles from day one as opposed to John Nettles later on in the series. So I think they're going to have some territorial issues there. So although I mean, you have to applaud them for their efforts at trying to make money, you know, monetizing their catalog um, and just sort of figure out a way that I mean, Vice Media was talking about this. But to say there's a lot of young folks out there who can't afford to subscribe, don't want to subscribe on the SVOD platforms, um, never really appreciated or understood what linear is, you know, and might 
seem that fast is a bit sexy, you know, and, oh, we can watch a lean back experience and uh, we never understood what telly was, you know, what our parents uh, spoke about. I so totally don't buy that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's bullshit. I, I know these guys who can't pay for a Netflix subscription. They do two things. Either they watch it anyway, but on, on illegal platforms, uh, or they use their parents' passwords, or they use their friends' passwords, or anybody else's passwords that's not theirs. I, I don't think they're going to rediscover the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, I don't know why this one keeps coming up in my mind, and think, oh, wow, this is what I've been waiting to watch all my life. I find this very hard to believe. But, you know, maybe I'm just being negative. No, 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 no. I think you're being probably fair, but also, be, sorry, Oliver, I think you're being fair. Uh, but 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 let's 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 remind ourselves that Netflix and others are cracking down on um, password uh, password sharing, um, and I think they might actually crack that nut. But who knows? Uh, but there are other other programs. Amazon Studios was like raving about you know uh, leverage redemption and Bosch and the like. So I mean they love their they love their programs. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Let's let, let let's wait and see. There's a lot of noise, um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad that we. Uh, uh, this is a topic that we may want to continue <laughs> across many, many, many series and many seasons and many episodes. Yeah. So this is what the Media Beat does for me, really. It explains and it comments. So that was a brilliant explanation of Fast. Uh, couldn't have been more clear. I totally get it. And some comment on where the problems might lie. And also, it's a, as we always say, a story that will run and run. How, how very very interesting um okay we need to move on oh disney yes um claire back to you the boomerang ceo is a thing please explain oh yes the story of the two bombs so disney's just uh very unexpectedly fired their current ceo a guy called bob chapek and brought back their previous ceo a guy called bob Iger. Uh, and that was that was last week or a couple of weeks ago, and that was after um, in June, so very recently, re- the board renewing their faith in Bob Chapek and everything that he was doing. So it was a very sudden move, which has been uh, very much commented ab- upon, and there are a lot of speculations as to what might have happened. Disney is definitely not having brilliant results right now. We talked about it in the last episode, um, but. Anybody, and I'm sure the board knows that a lot of the the current financial woes of Disney were for things that started happening under Bob Iger. Bob Chapek's only been in the job for less than two years, so it's not like he can be blamed for a lot of things. There are a lot of speculation that he, he, Bob Iger, uh, Bob Chapek, sorry, the guy who got fired, is not a creative guy. He came through home entertainment, then he did consumer products, and then he did parks. So he's come uh, into Disney from the commercial side, has never really managed talent or, you know, content, etc. And there is uh, speculation that is run afoul of the creative side of Disney. He did not handle one of his first thing that he had to do as a CEO was to handle the, the issue with Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow. If you remember that, we talked about it a few, a long time ago now. But, uh, you know, the, he decided to put Black Widow straight on Disney Plus without releasing it into, into theatres. This is the middle of the pandemic and Scarlett Johansson sued them uh, because she said um, that, that the contract that she had said that there would be a theatrical release, which was correct. And 
there was a, a lot of discontent because the old Disney, well, the, the idea was the old Disney under Bob Iger would never have let that go to the media. They would have settled. They were they proud. They were very proud of their good relationship with talent, and this became this big negative thing. There were there was also the management of the Florida um laws discriminatory laws and how how bob uh, chapman managed that but i think ultimately and ultimately there was a cultural problem with chapman the surprising thing is obviously chapman had been mooted to be Iger's successor i guess 71 it was high time he should um, retire when he retired two years ago in 69 and uh chapman had been groomed to be his successor for many years so they knew him they vetted him they decided he was the right guy and less than two years later very suddenly pulled the rug from under him where whether there was something that they know that we don't know whether there's a scandal brewing somewhere whether the financial results are actually worse than they look it's very hard to know uh, but yes, that was a very surprising news story. The uh, boomerang CEO, I think, is a wonderful uh, uh, turn of phrase. Um, and I think one of the journalists came up with that. It could have been an FT journalist, I can't recall. But uh, suffice to say that uh, boomerang CEOs, there probably been in the last century only two successful boomerang CEOs, and that is Steve Jobs, Apple, uh, and Howard Schultz, who's the Starbucks uh, CEO. So, um, you know, we understand that Iger's got two years to really turn this around. Um, uh, cement and find a successor. And find a successor as well, which, uh, you know, on the basis that if he did, was very clearly, was, was very, uh, uh, had participated in the selection of the other Bob, um, then, you know, he's not got a great track record. So uh, two years is not a long time. And I think it's, I think it's Hydric and Struggles that have got the mandate to, uh, uh, to go out and, and, and find one of those successors. But uh, I don't know, we should, at some point, we should sort of do a little tally of, uh, of, of who could be the best CEO of Disney. I don't know. That could be, could be kind of interesting. We should like predict, predict who <laughs> it could be. I think it should be somebody outside of the industry completely that is parachuted in to deal with what should be kind of a recovery of Disney. Because, of course, Disney's had fantastic successes as well, as we know. And we should accredit a lot to Iger in terms of all the acquisitions he's made to really pivot the business, you know, in, 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 in a way that, you know, others have not done. And, you know, let's give him credit for all those acquisitions of Lucasfilms, Marvel, blah, blah, blah. I mean, tremendous, tremendously successful executive but uh yeah let's uh it's another one of those oh we could be talking about this forever and a day until they find a successor i just wanted the, the next one not to be called bob to be honest so it'd be much less confusing for us that's my that's my one criteria <laughs> do you remember the rumsfeld issue oh, about yes. the no no none no 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 this is the old bob 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 old bob new bob new bob old bob new bob Bob, Bob. <laughs> they, they all look so alike as well. They all look a little bit chubby, a little bit old, a little bit white. You know, I, I, I'd absolutely kill it. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely CEO material, I, I, I think, just based on my physical, um, let's call them attributes. Anyway, the new, um, the new thing that we're going to put in the show, I think it's a marvellous idea, Maureen. It's like beat the market. So what we're going to do is we're going to place a bit of money uh on uh probably yeah let's use betfair Bit, bitcoins bitcoins yeah i've got i've got half a bitcoin <laughs> so we'll, we'll, 
Yeah, some NFTs. Bet some cryptocurrencies. <laughs> oh, ridiculous NFTs. And uh, yeah, you bet, bet against the market on who's the next CEO going to be and use the profits for a slap at meal or something. Thank you so much. Very interesting. Boomerang CEOs. I can't imagine being 71 and being retired and putting my feet up and thinking, blimey, one last push in my career. I'm just like, how do you motivate yourself at that age? But anyway. Here's one. I think I think Michael Bloomberg should be the next CEO of Disney. Oh. No, that was terrible. <laughs> I don't agree at all. It's a no for me. I want I want somebody who's not an old white guy, whoever that is. I, I yes, Shonda Rhimes. Okay, I, I, I'm putting I, my I money on Shonda Rhimes. I think I was about to say I think it's going to be a woman. Liz Truss is yeah. going to be a woman. Yeah, Ms. well, she's is, uh, looking available. for a job. It says so on her LinkedIn, yeah. Uh, openly looking, open for work, this trust. Uh, right. Uh, okay, we probably get fairly good odds on, on the Trustmeister. Uh, let's move on. Um, oh, Claire, this is one you brought up. So Warner Music Group, uh, talking about, uh, yes. what is it? Old male and stale, white male and stale. Um, it, 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 it has been seeming for a long, long time that record labels, what is their purpose when people can do it all themselves online? But um, uh, Steve Cooper, I think, is the, uh, is the exiting CEO. Um, and he's starting to um, either be deluded into or actually uh, thinking that there may be an increasing and profitable role for uh, record labels. What's the argument there, Claire? Well, the argument is they just posted exit results. So they've they've just posted their their quarterly results and their revenues have gone up by 16% year on year. And the EBITDA, the profit, has also gone up by 16%. So those are those are really good results. Uh, and this is in the in the context of generally high growth for their revenues over the last few years. Um, it's there's been some really interesting. Um, uh, interesting stats coming out of this. I mean, he was very bullish on the on the earnings call. I understand I didn't listen to it, uh, and just you know was making obviously he was this was his legacy because he's stepping out, stepping away from the business, but sort of saying we we've seen a the role of the record label labels uh, is near is now unquestionable. One of his big arguments was that he one of the fastest growing areas of revenues is what he calls emerging platforms, which uh, I originally thought meant Spotify, but that's not an emerging platform anymore at all, obviously. Um, and those are the the sort of Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. So we've talked about how these platforms have been doing a lot of music licensing deals. Uh, and that's now, uh, that represented $90 million of revenues last quarter, uh, which is huge. Uh, which, uh, you know, mean, means that this, this, is, this is basically gone up by about a hundred million year. I mean, if you analyze the results, it's gone up by a hundred million uh, from last year, uh, which is massive. So that's something that music labels are obviously uniquely placed to manage because the the platforms aren't the door to do individual deals with with um, with artists. Uh, that's the other interesting thing. Sorry, I'm, there's a lot of really fascinating stuff coming out of this. But the, the thing that really caught my eyes is that. Um, the top, I think it's the top five artists used to represent 15% of their revenues and they no longer do that. They represent 5% of their revenues. And that means despite the growth in revenues, uh, the total revenues of the top five artists has actually gone down. And that's due partly to a much more diversified music base through the streaming platforms. And it's partly due to the fact that um, 
old music, as we've talked about before, old music is coming back. So actually, the current top five artists are being threatened by people like Fleetwood Mac or the Beatles. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why their their share of revenue is smaller than, than it used to be, which I think is good news. Uh, we should talk about our Spotify wrapped results soon uh, just as, as a, as a um, uh, representation of that. But yes, I thought that was very interesting. And it's the, the return of the music label as a, as a real force in the industry. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Oh, by the way, I've done my Spotify, uh, and uh, some interesting results came. I think someone's been using my logon. <laughs> yeah, well, that's also possible. <laughs> it can't be you listening to BTS on repeat, can it? Uh, there's no BTS, no. But there was uh, a lot of Amy McDonald, who I like, but so does my daughter. So I'm a bit suspicious that she's been oh, she's okay. been nicking my uh, my uh, Spotify thing. And there's that thing now that you can do where, based on the bands you like, they make a they make a festival poster out of it which you can print off and um and, and stick on your wall uh, of all the oh really that's yeah fun. yeah so it has, um, yeah the arctic monkeys and london grammar sharing a stage was uh, was on, on mine which was uh, which was quite interesting ah. yeah so um uh yeah so maureen what are your what are your thoughts i mean i'm just not convinced i i, I hate this idea of um fat cigar smoking executives making money out of um, hard-working talented musicians and artists but what they're coming back the labels what's your thought well i i, I would uh, you know i i was quite uh Surprised by the oh, I'm not surprised. I was encouraged by the uh, <laughs> what it is encouraged by the results. Um, you know, I, I think I think I mean I've been looking at and thinking through why my Spotify subscription, my you know, and others, uh, uh, the prices have been you know really probably the same as when I first you know um, bought the subscription. So uh, and and from an advisor's perspective, you know, first thing I do is. Come on, you've got this price dynamic <laughs> uh, mechanism in which to, you know, really uh, look at your your revenue and really fi- figure out the sort of growth and, and and really figure out the value of your artists and the value of your product. So I've always been surprised as to why the prices have never changed, um, and I'm just encouraged that. I know from a consumer's perspective, you don't want to hear about price increases, but actually from a business perspective particularly in a downturn or particularly in a tough, challenging economic environment, you know, you, you kind of need to in order to cover your costs, increase your prices, cover your costs and keep your staff. So I'm really encouraged that all of these players are now increasing their prices to reflect, you know, the cost to do business uh, and therefore really show that it's a sustainable, economically sustainable business going forward. So so what I'm encouraged by is that the streaming services, you know, generally the music labels then are also in turn supporting these streaming platforms uh, through their, you know, cycle of, 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 of income. Um, and, and that is looking less sort of favourable to one side and the other. Um, and of course, the consumers are not going anywhere. So, so I think the balance between platforms, labels, artists, through these price increases, you know, uh, means that there's a, there's going to be a fair allocation of, of those revenues. So I am not playing to your little trick there, Oliver, by talking about the executives who might be actually getting a good salary and good sort of earnings uh, uh, per share. But if they are indeed driving the performance of the business up, then 
so be it. I don't really care who the executive is, or who they are, what they look like, really, really. The, the other th- interesting thing that uh, we picked up was the top five artists uh, used to account for 15% of revenue, and now the top five artists account for 5%. And one has to take from that, I suppose, uh, diversification, people listening to a, a greater spread of artists, which I, I, I personally, as a music lover, find, find that quite encouraging. Maybe people are being a bit more discerning. What, what do you think, Claire? Well, I, as I said, I think a lot of it is, yes, some of it is is um, more niche listening and better discovery. Uh, and there are there are uh, signs that, for instance, small music venues are seeing more people coming to concerts to sh- and, and shows for, for smaller bands because they hear about them in, in different um, places, including on Spotify, which has become a much better discovery platform. So I think there is definitely that aspect of it um and it's it's having an impact on merchandise and live music which is really great the second aspect of it is library music and it's people rediscovering the beach boys and fleetwood mac after um uh after 30 years and that's also great especially for older artists who are suddenly re-emerging but uh but it's it's less a sign of you know new discovery of music so I, you know, it's it's coming. It's basically the classic rock and roll, classic pop music having its moment. And things like having Kate Bush in Stranger Things, for instance, you know, in that song suddenly becoming a new hit, thirty, forty years later, which happened before with movies, but I, I think right now is really amplified. That has a huge impact. It doesn't mean that you can't have a lot of very large, very big stars. Uh, you know, Taylor Swift. Harry Styles, BTS, there are still very, very big names, but it's true that you, the, the audience diversification means that you, it's much harder to be a crossover music star than it was a few years ago. Yeah, it's good that we keep mentioning Fleetwood Mac. Um, we don't normally date these yeah. uh, these um, podcasts, but we're but we're recording this just after the death of Christine McVie, sadly. Um, I and um, I think her legacy yes. will be a huge spike in the playing of uh, Fleetwood Mac, which again my daughter loves. And when you listen to their music again, it's just fantastic. Um, so thank you, brilliant. Well, we are there to rumours, and um, we really need a jingle for this. But in, in the meantime, I'll just go rumours, something like that, and we'll we'll probably create something slightly more professional uh, in post prom. I mean, we could use Fleet, we could use Fleetwood Mac, song, Fleetwood but Mac. then we'd yeah. have to pay for it. <laughs> Oh, is yeah. it but can we use it just for three seconds yeah oh you're allowed you three seconds are you fair use fair right use. that's a brilliant idea yep. yeah let's that do it tribute to christine and then uh, it's it's yeah. Uh, yeah it's what the band would have wanted um so rumors <laughs> <laughs> a couple of things uh brought up um claire you were talking about the microsoft activision acquisition and uh, that running into problems yeah, potentially. The, it's, it's, it's cleared a few regulation uh, hopes, but the European Union is delaying its decision and is clearly indicating that there are problems and they're, they're, they're a bit worried about, about it. And Microsoft has now come out and said they would make concessions and compromises, which probably means selling part of Activision Blizzard. We don't know which part. Uh, but it's not, I mean, you know, it was always likely to hit some snags, but... Um, but that, this is the snag. 
uh, and we'll see what comes out of it. And it it just delays the whole thing as well, which is Microsoft has to keep focusing on this and cannot move on to what we think they're going to do next, which is buy Netflix. So it's just, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. <laughs> Maureen, you're dancing around in glee. Oh, uh, I have nothing to add to that because that's it's a great uh, observation and rumor um, uh, or, or, or you know identification of, of a situation because I think everybody had thought that uh, it was done it was a done deal, um, but with anything Microsoft related, I think the European Commission is always you know uh, appropriately or not you know it, it's always looking at it. So no, 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 no. My my but my dance is very much around. I am still the person who thinks Microsoft will be buying Netflix. And uh, right, let's put ten quid on that. I stand by that. <laughs> I, I'm going to find a, a, an obscure media betting uh, exchange and going to put uh, a pound on that. Um, I'm actually going to See, do Reed that. Hastings. Reed Hastings could be the next the next CEO of uh, Disney, except he's another but, white man, so it doesn't fit in my category, but that would be fun. Oh, but that yeah. would be the next good role for him once Microsoft yeah, buys it would Netflix. Be. Yeah. Then he needs exactly. to go off to run Disney. To Disney. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Claire, that's a great succession planning idea. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, and he's not called Bob, so that's a point in his favour, I guess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I can just imagine discussing it. To... <laughs> yeah. I think we should go Bob, through the alphabet and name. Or, yeah, we should go through the alphabet and name everybody. They're all these. It's strange. Yeah. I was at men's names and women's names, and then figure out who who it could be. A, you're so beautiful. B, your name's Bob, etc. Right. The <laughs> next one was uh, possibly cut that. Uh, oh, I, I can't pronounce the uh, man's name very well, Claire. Vin Va is it Vincent Bolloré? Vincent Bolloré. They, as some people call him, I don't know if it's entirely true, the French Rupert Murdoch. He's a, he's a media magnate in France. And there was an interesting uh, editorial uh, in The Guardian signed by a number of, of French uh, people because he's doing he's trying to buy another media company in France. Uh, it's going through regulatory uh, controls at the moment. If he did buy this, it would give him... He already has a very large platform in France. He owns a number of TV channels, a number of, of uh, radio stations, and a number of newspapers, not unlike Rupert Murdoch. Uh, if he bought this, it would give him even more control over the, the media the media landscape in France. He ha he's old. He's supposedly handed, handed over power to his son, uh, not unlike Rupert Murdoch, but actually still does most of the takes most of the decision. Again, uh, there are parallels, but uh, he very famously started going into politics, and he fell out with Emmanuel Macron around something can't remember what, and then chose a very right wing TV commentator called Eric Zemmour, and entirely funded a presidential campaign for him. Uh, on a very right-wing platform, and uh, he, the campaign failed, thankfully, and actually did less well than people had feared. But it was um, it was a sign of of him testing the power of his platform, and people are very worried that with this new acquisition, he uh, so he currently is the CEO of Vivendi, which is a very large uh, media group in France, and with this new acquisition, he could have too much power over French media. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. If, if you don't like the reference to um, Rupert Murdoch, then there's an alternative Italian called Berlusconi. 
Yeah. That's all I will add. <laughs> not not brilliant choice. None is of it? these are good. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. If that turns your stomach, just call him the Pol Pot of French media. Yeah. And uh, that's a lot a lot a lot safer. Uh, right. Okay, and very he's generous. not called Bob. And he's no. not called yeah. Bob. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not. That's a that's a very good point. Uh, interesting rumors. Um uh, lovely. Um nice little connection between the two as well. Okay. I'm now very excited to announce uh, the first edition of lightning fast pod mojis uh, and i know everybody's still listening to this podcast because they're waiting with a high level of intrigue to see what this round is all about so you know we've had long short uh, and that's gone down brilliantly well lots of great feedback uh, we want to we want to mix it up a little bit or um, change it up a little bit i think is the phrase that people under 30 use and uh, what we're going to do is i'm going to mention a name uh most of them might be bob i don't know uh and then lightning fast uh the whiplash brains of um claire and maureen are going to come up with a suitable emoji that comes into their head i suppose it's like auto suggestion so it's a bit like psychotherapy actually we might uh find out a little bit too much about the inner workings of your minds in fact that'd probably be a good thing for me um but let's give it a go so it's lightning fast pod emojis what emoji comes into your mind and i'll ask maureen first when you hear the words elon musk peculiar by the way can i just remind you maureen the round is called lightning <laughs> fast <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's 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 not called lengthy consideration, Podmojis. Um, oh no, there's no emoji that sounds very really peculiar. I, I, I want. I, I don't. I don't have the emoji list reference in my head at the moment. So this is going to be a, a very educational process for me. So please bear with me. But uh, 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 how many how many emojis are but there must be a peculiar emoji i've just named one peculiar i think it's peculiar peculiar emoji i'm, I'm going to create a peculiar emoji for you and actually you should, that that would like be a, i think it, it's missing but it should happen it's like a he's a bit yeah. odd <laughs> yeah for the for the record uh, maureen is making a face an odd face actually appropriately <laughs> peculiar face yeah. uh, that's my emoji if someone could capture that if someone could yeah. capture this yeah, that's well, what elon musk is it does to me need anyway to do a screen grab yes. of that uh claire <laughs> can we build on that I'm going to learn from Claire. I'm going to wait no. for Claire. You said lightning uh, fast. Yeah, Come this is okay, the mine is lightning uh, fast uh, round okay. of <laughs> This is very slow. I am uh, going with a head exploding emoji for Elon Musk. I just don't understand it, so that's mine. Nice. I'm going to look up emojis. <laughs> Uh, as you can tell, this round, uh, this game has been okay, very highly prepared. Yeah, it's going really well. Okay, let's do the next. Lightning fast pod mode is brought to you by Google Search. Okay, Claire, I'm going to come to you on the next one. Um, yeah. It's got it's a Bob, Bob Chappick. Oh, sad emoji, poor Bob. Uh, that worrying? for him. Oh, oh, which Bob? Uh, Bob Chappick. Bob Chappick. Oh, Smiley face. I bet oh, he's okay. glad to be out. <laughs> oh, very different takes there. Very good. This game is working brilliantly. Bob Iger, another Bob. <laughs> oh, smug emoji. Nice. They like can't that. do without me. Good one. Yeah. Maureen, you can't improve on that. That's uh, awesome. Smug. 
Yeah, I can't improve yeah. on that. Smug. No, that's good. Smug. With uh, dollar signs. Smug with dollar signs. Oh, yeah. yeah. For dollars for eyes. Yeah. God, this game is working brilliantly. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, good. You oh. built on that. Excellent. Oh. Spotify, particularly Wrapped, which we've all been doing. Um, wrapped as in the thing that tells you what you've been listening to, not um, a Christmas present. So Spotify Wrapped. Uh, Claire. I'm going with a nostalgic emoji, but I don't know if that's an actual emoji, but I would make it if it didn't exist. It would sort of be like looking wistful, back, wistful yeah. emoji. Yeah, Maybe looking exactly. up into the top left-hand corner, smiling. Um, wistful, exactly, that would be it. Yeah. Maureen? Uh, uh, sunshine. Okay. Aw, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, good. Uh, it's like a recard test, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if you just say <laughs> summer and you come back with axe it's like oh right okay that's interesting um audible like and we'll go to maureen oh audible uh, uh a wolf a wolf oh a wolf big ears big <laughs> right okay um big ears big ears no emoji with big ears <laughs> Oh, right. No, I get it. That's very good. I think we've made a lot of progress today. Um, uh, but uh, perhaps you should, I don't know. Maybe I think you should Claire's corpse. I think Claire's corpse. <laughs> okay. Uh, Claire, can my, you okay, beat my on wolf? This is my emoji. It's yeah, so, oh, I like that. I like that. For the camera, oh, I like that. Uh, Claire is looking sort of thoughtful and she's doing that thing with your thumb and your index <sighs> finger around your chin. I'm putting my chin yeah. around, exactly. That's my, my thinking emoji, I'm calling it. The thinking yeah. emoji. Did you use your left hand or right hand, Claire? Did you use your left or right? Uh, left. No, right. Oh, no, that was her right hand. That was her right hand. Uh, left hand probably means something completely different. It's like an insult in Indonesian oh, or something. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We have to be very careful. Oh, another Bob. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Bob Backish. Let's go with Claire. Oh, Paramount. Uh, okay. I'm going to go with the emoji with the question marks around my head because I don't actually can't come up with a thing right now. So I'm going to hand over to Maureen. Go on, Maureen. Monkey face. Nice. Monkey <laughs> face. Why? Insulting. And also why? Uh, because he's <laughs> Uh, <laughs> good point, Claire. Good point. I like that reaction. And why? Because he's very, he's very active, and he just reminds me of someone who's jumping from this place to that place, and he's oh, I Yes, it's not someone you want to bring to a tea party. That kind of guy. Yeah, no, I get it. So yeah. monkey in the sense of uh, hyperactive, as opposed to monkey, which can have a sort of uh, a stupid connotation because they are uh, they're basically not as good. Oh, as no, humans. not he's not stupid. Yeah. No, he's a, yeah. he's as smart as they come. Yeah, yeah. And finally, Bob, another Bob. Uh, this is Bob Geldof and Christmas songs being played on the 1st of December. Uh, exasperated emoji. I can't believe it. I was in the car and it, was, it wasn't even the 1st of December. It was the 30th of November. And Magic, which is my radio station that tells you a lot about my Spotify wrapped. My, my main genre is Mellow Gold. Anyway, Magic is already 100% Christmas songs, including this song, which, I mean, and no offense to Sir Bob, because it was of its moment, but I, I can't listen to it anymore. So yeah. exasperated emojis me. Yeah, it sounds so horribly patronizing now, that song. But uh, anyway, yeah, boring. Oh, my God. Terrible. Uh, collision. Like a big splash of, oh, get rid of it. Get rid of it. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, and uh, a light relief. <laughs> After um, after the serious chat of the the media world, you did very well, and the winner is, it's a draw. 
eight to draw, two and a half points each. Congrats, uh, ladies. Uh, that was that was great fun and some quite unexpected uh, insights, particularly yes. to the um, the mysterious mind of uh, Maury, frankly. Uh, but I loved it. Well, ladies, we're there. We've done another one. We have another wrap. Uh, episode 14 is out. I enjoyed it massively. Yay! As usual, learnt a lot. Uh, it only remains for me to say, tune in next time. And goodbye, Claire. Goodbye, Oliver. And goodbye, Maureen. See you next time. Goodbye, Oliver. See you next time.